Hi there, I'm Pastor Billy. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church Podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Hey, I'm Adrian, and I have the privilege of being a lead pastor at HFCN. If you are new or visiting, we are so pumped that you're here, and I think everyone in the room, uh, isn't it good to be here today? Hasn't it been great so far? Grateful. Grateful that God's presence is here in the room. I'm really excited to open up uh, God's Word and share with you things that I don't think are my idea or my thoughts I believe are God's thoughts for us. And so if you would, if you have your Bible uh, with you, if you could turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If you are following along with us on YouVersion, your Bible app, we have an event set up there today. It's a great place to find some extra notes and afterwards to maybe go back and dive in a little bit deeper for yourself. Um, While you turn there to Ephesians chapter 2, I want to give us a little bit of background so that together in the room we can all be on one page and, and know where we're going today and uh, what, what we're reading. Uh, the Bible is God's redemption story. And if you read uh, it from cover to cover, it'll take you a while, but if you begin in the Old Testament, uh, we understand that God's redemption story begins with the nation of Israel, the Jews. And when we see in uh, the Old Testament that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel, and then throughout them their redemption story, where they were... Uh, in slavery and then and set free. And then again, throughout the Old Testament, we see their journey of following after the Lord's heart and then turning away from Him and time after time after time. And then we get to the end of the Old Testament and the book of Malachi ends and for 400 years, um, there's no uh, recorded revelation of God. There's nothing until the New Testament and Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He comes What's significant about that is Jesus is, of course, born as a, a Jew, and uh, that is as prophecy foretold, that he would come from the lineage and the line of David. And, and so we see that, but we see Jesus grow up and minister, and Jesus doesn't just minister to his own people, the Jews, the nation of Israel, he ministers to all people. And I say all of that to say that today, we're going to begin reading in just a minute in uh, Ephesians 2, verse 11, and we're going to uncover a pretty significant divide. And and I've entitled the message for today, Crossing the Divide. I think it has a lot to say uh, within the book of Ephesians. I think it has a lot to say to us. But we're about to uncover a divide that existed between the Jews, the people of God, uh, throughout the history of of God's Word and throughout history, the people that He said, you will be a, a, a chosen people, a holy nation. And so they, of course, had a very special place in the story of God. And we're going to read about the divide between them and the Gentiles. And Gentiles just means everyone who wasn't a Jew. (laughs) That would be most of us in the room today, right? The Jews and the Gentiles. And so throughout history, we understand why the Jews felt like and believed and and knew they had a very special place in God's story. But Jesus came and he ministered to all people. And he died on the cross and was buried and rose again. And now the gospel is being carried to all people, not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And so in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it begins with a really uh, powerful passage that we focused on Easter Sunday. You could go back and listen to that if you want. But in verse 11, 
the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and it's a church where there's a divide. Because there's the people that believe that Jesus came and the salvation is for the Jews alone. But then where, what happens to all the Gentile believers? And so we're going to read um, some very specific instructions that Paul has for the church in Ephesus, starting at verse 11. There's going to be about 10 verses we're going to cover, and it's a lot. But I'm going to stop every couple verses, so don't get annoyed that I'm interrupting your scripture reading, okay? I think it'll be good as together we uh, dive deeper into what God's Word says. So verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, Therefore, remember, remember that formerly you who are the Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. We'll talk about that in a minute, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and you were foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So for these two verses, uh, Paul's wanting to kind of set the stage to remind them. And circumcision is this outward expression. It was this outward that mattered a lot to the Jews. That's what they were instructed to do, and that was a form of godliness to them. And Paul's bringing that up as a reminder to the Gentiles that you don't measure up. Remember. You didn't measure up. You, you don't check all the boxes that you don't fulfill all the requirements. So formally, formally Gentiles, you, you were strangers. You were foreigners. You were distant from God and you had no hope. And in fact, the thing that's clear, if you study throughout the history of the nation of Israel, they always believed that the Messiah was coming. Their history, even in their darkest hour, and if you have not read some of the uh, prophets here in the Old Testament, there's some dark days, okay? Even in their darkest days, they point to the coming of a Messiah. The history for the Jews was always going somewhere, was always leading to a Messiah, but the problem for the Gentiles is they had no promise of a Messiah. They had no hope. So for them, their history was leading nowhere, <laughs> but but. The Apostle Paul begins and says, hey, remember this. Remember, Gentiles, that once you were, you were distant. You, you did not have hope. You did not measure up. And then let's turn now and, and continue reading in verse 13. It begins with a very important word, but. That means he's going to change direction here. Remember all the things that used to be, but. Now some good news is coming. Let's keep reading together in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's through the blood of Jesus. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Let's come up for air again. I want to make sure we understand. He's talking about two groups here. He's talking about a divide, and this divide was very real between the Jews and the Gentiles. Historically, there's a few things that we know about this divide, that the Jews, the Jews actually had laws in place that if a Gentile woman was giving birth, they would forbid, Jewish law would forbid any Jew to assist her in her time of need. Why? Because that would be helping bring another Gentile into the world. I mean, that's how big the divide we're talking about. That they believed, they believed, Jews believed, that if a Jewish person, let's say a Jewish man were to marry a Gentile woman, they would immediately perform the funeral of the Jewish man because he was as good as dead to them. That is how big a divide we're talking about. And so as we talk about two groups, 
These are two groups that did not align themselves. These are two groups that did not uh, like each other. These are two groups that felt like they had no common place, certainly within the body of Christ. And Paul's saying, because of the blood of Jesus, those two groups are now one. Why? Because he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall. That means a lot to them because in their, the way they worshiped in the temple previously, the temple was a, a system of, of different walls and the inner wall was called the Holy of Holies. That was the place where the spirit of the Lord dwelt. And so the priest was the only one that was allowed to go into the inner wall. And we know, we know when uh, Jesus was crucified and when he died on the cross, that the moment he was dead, that the veil, the wall in the temple was torn in two. And that wasn't an accident. That was like, oh, that was weird. No, no, no. It's because at that moment, the power of God tore the veil and removed the barrier between God's presence and all people. And so as he's talking about the barrier, the wall being torn down, man, that would really matter to them. That had a lot of significance. These are not just random words that Paul is choosing. He's saying that Christ... He removed the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, and then this last line, uh, the law with its commands. What he's saying there is, Gentiles, remember, there is no way a Gentile could become a Jew. (laughs) There's just too many laws. There's too many. I mean, they could try, and some would, but they just couldn't measure up. In fact, many of the Jews couldn't measure up to every letter of the law. But Jesus came, and he didn't come to do away with the Old Covenant, but to fulfill it. to show the life and the spirit behind it. And so, again, what he's saying is in Christ, the two groups were made one. The dividing wall of hostility was torn down. And in Christ, there is access. It's not through the law. It's not through religion. It's not through keeping every... No, no, no. It's in Christ. Now, you've been brought near. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse uh, 13 and 14. Now in Christ, you were once far away. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We just read this. He is our peace. Uh, He took the two groups and made them one, dividing wall of hostility. And in his flesh, the law with its commands were set aside. And now, continuing in verse 15, his purpose, this was Christ's purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity. We'll talk about that. Out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. This is possible. This is possible through the cross. The peace that we're talking about together is not made by coming together and having a meeting and you do this and you know. Through Christ there is peace. There is peace. And and what I want to focus on here while I pause for a minute, I want to focus on this idea of new. You see it there in the scripture that he made the groups out of the two he made one and he formed a, a new humanity. Now in the Greek in the Greek, that it's different than English. We say new, and we mean that in a lot of different ways, but Greek had two different words that they would use for the word new. The first is this word neos, and that was the most common word, and what that meant is kind of new in number. For instance, at this Starbucks place down the street that some of you are familiar with, okay? Today, uh, they're making all sorts of drinks, things I don't even know what they are. I, seriously, caramel macchiato. What in the world is that? I have no idea. But they're making hundreds of them, and people are lining up to give them their money to drink one, okay? And so today, I bet, I bet a couple of those were made down the street, a caramel macchiato. And and these are not, this is a new one. It's new in your hand, but this is not the first time they've ever made one. I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thousands of them have been made, maybe consumed by you personally, right? And so that word is new, neos. It's new in number, but it's been made before. 
You've experienced it before. In fact, you hope that it's exactly like the one you've had before. You expect it to be new, but not something different. You hope the guy behind the counter, the barista, isn't going wild. Like, let's try something new today. And we'll let you know. Like, no, no, no. I wanted a caramel macchiato, not this thing that you created, right? And so it's new in number, but not necessarily in quality. But the word here that Paul uses when he talks about the dividing wall has been torn down, that the Jews and Gentiles are now one in Christ, a new humanity, he's using a different word. It's less common, and in Greek you use it, and you really use it to say new, but not new in number, but new in quality. That this is something new that has not existed before. This is not just a new version of what you've already seen. This is something new in, in quality. And so what that means for us is that the kingdom of God is new. It's not about assimilating. Uh, he was not saying, Gentiles, you need to become like the Jews. That's what many of them believe. No, he's saying now in Christ, because the barrier has been destroyed and torn down, there is something new being formed. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful because the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, everyone, there's unity. But unity doesn't mean that we're all the same. Unity doesn't mean we look all alike. Unity doesn't mean that we are the same culture and the same background and the same, that there is unity in the body of Christ. There is something new here that's never been formed, but it's not about assimilating into just acting like the, no, 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 there's something new being birthed here. And that's what he's saying is happening because of the cross, because of the cross. So all of this, all of this happens and we see in verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away, peace to you who are near. That included everyone, the Jews and the Gentiles, peace. For through him, we have access to the Father by one spirit. There's one spirit. There's one church. There's one body of Christ. There's not a different spirit talking to the Jews than there is to the Gentiles. Man, Jesus came to tear down the wall, to cross the barrier. And in doing it, there's one spirit. There's one spirit for the body Consequently, verse 19, we're almost done. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but your fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Do you know that Paul's writing, and within this time, every Greek city, every Greek city would have people in its city, in its town, that were from there. They were, some of you, I've been born, raised here my whole life, you know, like that's you, I get it. But there are some, that's not their story. They weren't born there, and, and so you, in a Greek city, would be permitted to live there. You would be per permitted to work there, and, but because you were a stranger, because you were an outsider, for the rest of your life, you were forced to pay a tax for the privilege of just living there and residing there. That was your duty and responsibility as a foreigner, as an outsider. That, that, and, and what Paul is saying here, he's not just speaking in a vacuum. He's speaking to people who would understand the context of what he's saying. He's saying Gentiles... That's not you. You're not just a, a second tier here. You're not just on the outskirts. You're, no, 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 no. That, that, in Christ, the dividing wall has been torn down. And where there used to be a divide, now we are one. And you are no longer foreigners. You are no longer strangers, but you are fellow citizens now in the kingdom of God. Because I'm creating something new. It hasn't existed before. This is something new and it's beautiful and it's good. And he makes reference to this house. Let's end there in verse 20. This house, this household of God's people in verse 20 is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We'll come back to that. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too 
you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul's saying that all of this comes together in Christ. All of this, we are being built into a household, into a family. It's a beautiful but messy thing, right? Uh, are you a part of a family? You know that's true. It's a beautiful thing, but man, it's messy. But at its foundation, at its core, its cornerstone is Christ. And like me, you don't have to know a lot about construction to Google what a cornerstone is. It is the first stone that's laid. It is the first part of the foundation, and everything else must line up to the cornerstone. That's the visual that Paul wants to give us about this new body of Christ, the kingdom of God that is being formed as the barrier is torn down, and all are welcome. There is no foreigner. There is no outsider. All are welcome into the body of Christ. Christ is our cornerstone. We get our unity in the body of Christ, not from all thinking the same. We want the mind of Christ, right? But we don't even all act the same sometimes. We believe in the gospel and we believe God instructs us on how we should behave. But it's not that we all are the same all the time. That's not how we have unity in the body of Christ. We have unity in the body of Christ through Christ. He is what unites us. He is what brings us together. And Paul says, it's not just this, it's not that you're just part of this building. No, no, no. You yourselves you yourselves are being built into the temple of the living God. Remember, remember the temple used to be the place where they would go to find God, go to worship God, but now, now the Spirit of God is alive and available to every man and every woman and every teenager, no matter the Jew, no matter the Gentile, and so now you, you are the temple of God. He dwells in you. He, he, man, this is mind-blowing stuff to those in the church thousands of years ago. And as I read it, you're saying, what in the world does that have to do with us? <laughs> We're eavesdropping on a, a conflict uh, situation thousands of years ago. I believe for us, there, there's two really powerful implications that Ephesians chapter 2 speaks uh, about for us. And so we'll close with just these two things. It's simple. I want you to remember it. I want this to be on your brain as you enter into the workplace tomorrow or down the halls of your school or wherever you go. I want these two things to be burned in your brain. Implication number one is that Jesus crossed the divide. Jesus crossed the divide for you, for me. He didn't just do that thousands of years ago for the church in Ephesus where they were divided and disagreeing. No, 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 no. That thousands of years ago when Jesus went to the cross, you were on his mind. He went for you. In fact, time after time in the gospel story, Jesus would give the illustration that he would say, I would leave the 99 to find the one, the one. So you, you were the one. You were the one that mattered enough to Christ. And so as we read in Ephesians 2 about Christ tearing down the barrier understand that there was a barrier long ago that existed between you and God. It's sin. It's sin. That sin is this bent towards selfishness, this bent toward satisfying me, 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 me. That, that is the nature of what sin is. And we know because of Scripture that sin leads to death. Sin leads to spiritual death, but it also leads to death and decay in our lives and in the decisions that we make and how our selfishness impacts others around us. And because of sin, there is a divide between us and God. That God loves you and he wants to be in a relationship with you, but when sin is present, there's always going to be a gap. There's always going to be a divide there. And the reality is some of us in this room, we try to close that gap on our own. But by, man, I go to church. 
I'm a good person. I, I, I'm a moral person, and I do everything, I'm, and I help the Girl Scouts, you know? I'm, I'm a good person, and I, I serve other people, and I'm generous, and all of those things are good, but none of those things are enough to close the divide that sin creates in our lives. There's a hole in our hearts, and Christ alone can fill that. And so when Jesus came, when Jesus came, he was at the seat of God in heaven, and Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. I can't wait for Christmas. And it's not just because of jingle bells, you know. I'm excited to talk about what it meant that Jesus became one of us. He became one of us. And why did he do that? Because there was a divide. There was a barrier that was so wide and so far that you and I had no hope on our own. We could try to fulfill every law and every, but it was not enough without Christ. And in the fullness of time, Scripture says, Jesus came. And he would live a sinless life. And he would live on this earth, and man, while he was here, he showed us who God was. And he taught us, and we have his words and, and his truth right here for us, and that's powerful. But his mission on coming to earth was the cross. Because he knew, he knew that on our own, we could not cross the divide. On our own, there was a barrier so great that there was nothing we could do about it, so Jesus gave his life for us, so that we could be forgiven so that justice could be served on our behalf and so because of that he crossed the barrier so now there is no barrier between you and the god of the universe that created you and that loved you and that that made the sun rise this morning and put the moon and the stars in the sky that same god you can have a relationship with him you can know him I mean, he, he loves you, and, and, and you don't have to be enemies with him. You don't have to stand off in fear of a God like that because Jesus crossed the divide through the blood of Jesus. You can have a relationship. You can be in right standing. The barrier has been crossed. The wall has been torn down, and you, you are friends with Christ because of Christ with the living God. That's powerful, man. I, I don't want to get over that. I don't want to, some of you in the room, that's the first time you've heard that. I, I don't know. Some of you in the room, you're skeptics, and we are so glad that you would show up today and trust us with your time and energy and being here. But every single person in this room, whether you can believe it yet or not, man, that's true of you, that the God of the universe sent Jesus to cross the divide, to cross the barrier that you could not cross on your own. And he did that for you. A few years earlier, before the Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church in Ephesus, he wrote other words to another church in Corinth. And it's 2 Corinthians, and I've got it here on the screen. These are powerful words. This is what he's saying. Therefore, in Christ, if we are in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, that's a big word, reconciled us to himself through Christ, that you and I were divided. We were apart from Christ. We weren't reconciled, but Jesus came and through his blood, he reconciled, he brought you near. You were far and you were distant and you were an enemy of God living in opposition to his will for your life. But through Christ, now you're something new. You're something new. You have been reconciled. And so implication number one for us is powerful. Do not forget that Jesus crossed the divide in your life. You were hopeless. You were a stranger to the covenant of God. You, you weren't worthy of, but now through the blood of Jesus, you've been brought near and, and you are a part of the family. Of, and he is the cornerstone. It's a beautiful, 
imagery of what Christ has done for you and for me. Implication number two. Implication number two is that Jesus crossed the divide and we must do the same. We must. We must. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5 with me. If, if you think I'm making this up, if you think I'm making too much out of nothing, think again about what Paul is saying to us. That we starts again in verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation is come. The old is gone and the new is here. Again, all this is from God who reconciled us through Christ. And read the next sentence, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's not even a comma. There's not even a period. Next verse. It's the same verse that Jesus Christ came to reconcile you. He came to cross the divide so that you that were far from God could be brought near. And he's called us to do the same. Everyone that would bear his name, everyone that would follow after him, we have his call and his mission. Hey, remember, remember that you were lost and you were foreigners and you were strangers and the divide was so big that you weren't worthy, but I brought you near because of the blood of Jesus. And now, if you're going to be my people, you have to do the same. You have to do the same. We live in a world today that is so divided. And this morning, I'm not even preaching to you I'm not even preaching to you about racial division and political division and division that exists among genders and socioeconomic classes. That's all relevant and good. That's not even what I'm saying. I'm just saying within the church of Jesus Christ, there's division. And there were those that would say, they may not say it out loud, but they might start to believe that the church is about us and about what God's done for us. And we may begin to use this terminology of us and them, and before we realize it, we've created our own barriers, and we've made our own divides, and we've done our, and we believe maybe that, that we're more worthy than, and we wouldn't say that, but our life would suggest it, and our prayers would suggest it, and the way we spend our time might start to suggest that the barrier is too great, the divide is too great, when the call of God through Jesus Christ is that we're to cross the boundary. We're to cross the divide that every person you come into contact with in your schools and in the, in the streets, that, in the neighborhoods that you live in and the workplaces, every single person that you come into contact with is made in the image of God. Every single person. There is no one that you will come into contact with that is beyond his grace. There is no one that you can look into their eyes and not see someone that Jesus loves and died for. And yet so often, as a church, we can be known for the divide. We can be known for who we are against in the power of what we are called to in Ephesians chapter 2 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to bear his image. Remember, we're temples of the living God. That means wherever you go, the spirit of the living God is there. Wherever you go, you don't just represent you, you represent his presence in that situation. And we are in faith to believe that there is no barrier too great, that the power of God has not crossed it. There is no wall too strong. There is no barrier too big that the power of God is not able to cross it. And we, we get to be his hands and feet in a world that desperately need to see this lived out, that desperately needs to see the church be agents of reconciliation. 
This morning, the band in just a few minutes is going to come. And I felt led to draw us into a moment of decision. I felt led as I prayed over this this week. I felt led that there would be some people today, some in the room, some that are watching or listening online, who don't yet know that Jesus crossed the barrier for them, that don't yet know that Jesus made a way for you, that you don't have to be an enemy of God anymore. You don't have to live a life of brokenness and sin that leads to death anymore, but because of Christ, your debt has been paid. And there would be someone, I believe, this morning that doesn't know that. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to find the one, and so I just felt led this morning, if you are the one, it was worth it today. It was worth it for you. It was worth that the good news be proclaimed today so that you would find hope and you would realize that you matter. Jesus crossed the divide of sin and brokenness for you, and yet there's still others in the room. You know Christ. You, you would claim today to be a follower of Jesus, and your life and my life may not reflect a call to the ministry of reconciliation. We easily, in our life, we draw the line. We, we put up the barrier. We, we see the divide and we back away, but today, in faith, through the power of his Holy Spirit, today, you're to be commissioned and compelled to be his hands and feet, that their unbelieving world around you will never see it unless they see it through you. And so today, some of us in this room are to be reengaged, called again to God's mission, to be his hands and feet in the world around us. I'm going to ask you for a minute to just bow your heads, if you could, and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I think every person in the room today, I think no matter how young you are or how old you feel or if you're a believer or not, whether this is your home church or not, whether you've been here a thousand times or not, I just think we all can lean in to these powerful implications that Jesus crossed the divide for you. And now you are called to do the same for others. And so I want to begin this morning and just invite you, church, would you pray now? I'm going to pray, but if you know Jesus and you're living according to his desire for your life, would you pray now? Because I just believe there are some in the room this morning that don't know him yet. And because of fear or confusion or doubt or skepticism, and, and, and I just pray right now, church, would you just join me in praying as we pray? Pray that the person next to you and in front of you and behind you would, would be open to the voice of God, would hear him speak, would respond to his spirit today. Pray right now, church. Would you pray that there would be no barrier in this room present that would keep us from responding to the voice of God? And this morning, I just want to begin, if you're here today, and, and you know in your heart that you there's a barrier between you and God, and there's a divide that you feel, you, you know you're not living in God's will for your life. You know that you're living in opposition to his plan. You know that you're not being completely obedient to the voice of God. Today, I want to pray for you and I want to invite you. I want to invite you to repent. I want to invite you to open up your heart to God and allow him to lead your life. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a while. If that's you today, if it's one, man, it matters enough 
that you're here. It matters enough that we would pause in a moment like this to pray just for you. And so I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to parade to the front. But I am going to ask you right now in your heart, if that's you, by faith, would you just pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I turn from sin. I turn from my selfishness, my brokenness. And I choose to follow Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for crossing the divide. Because of the cross, I can know God. I can be at peace and my sins can be forgiven. Would you come forgive me now and help me to live my life for you? In Jesus' name. For others in the room today, if you would be honest, you just need to repent today to the Lord that you've allowed yourself, you've allowed yourself because of fear or uncertainty or, or, um, or frustration or just you're exhausted today and, and you've allowed the barrier lines in your life, the divide to become so great between you and lost, unbelieving people around you. Today, could I pray for you today? Jesus, if there's ever a time when you needed the church to be the church, it is now. If there's ever a time when you've needed us to be in the business of crossing the divide for lost people, for broken people, for people that are far from you, it is now. And so we proclaim God and we renew our call to your mission to be agents of reconciliation in a world, Lord, that is broken. We believe, we believe that no one is beyond your grace. No one is beyond your reach. And Lord, we even give you permission today to use us to be your hands and feet that the world around us would be transformed because of the power of God living in us. We believe it's possible, Lord. We believe help our unbelief. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at a beaconofhope.org. That's info at a beaconofhope.org. If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and then at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Monday nights at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes. 